Well, hello there and welcome to the Always So Podcast, a production of Will Wood's Faith in Marriage. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa. And I just just pray, man. I just hope that you guys are doing well. I hope that wherever this podcast finds you, that you are blessed and encouraged today. May God give you strength to get through whatever difficulties you are facing. May you cling to hope and goodness in all that you are doing. So in today's episode, I welcome Dr. Matt Smith, Director of Strategic Alliances at OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. And we have a wonderful conversation talking about risk-taking and, and resilience and, and discernment and should you stay for with comfort or should you make changes or how to follow through with ideas that you have. And this whole conversation is wrapped around this one thought of innovation. What does it mean to be an innovator? What does it mean to pursue ideas? How, what, what role does innovation have in the Catholic Church today in 2021? This has been the rebrand in the focus for OSV over the last couple of years. And so we talk about the, the reason for the rebrand, the reason for focusing on innovation, its implications both for OSV as a company, but then as a church for, as a whole, and, and some of the particular initiatives that, that OSV is starting. So stick around, enjoy when it's done. Please follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Share your thoughts in those platforms. I'm always eager to hear about how these shows land on people's ears. And let's get into this conversation with Dr. Matt Smith. Dr. Matt Smith, welcome to the Always So Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mario. Thanks so much for having me. Oh man, it's it's my pleasure. I'm really grateful. Um, I've sharing with you right before we started the interview, just honestly how impressed I've been with this new rebrand that you guys are going through right now. I think it's really innovative to use your buzzword, uh, <laughs> if, if I could steal steal that word. But I, but it's, it's fresh, it's attractive, and so so I'm really excited just to be able to kind of enter into this conversation about. OSV Institute, the good stuff you guys are doing right now, but then even kind of in general, this kind of notion of, of encouraging innovation in the Catholic Church. So just as we kind of get into this, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what got you working for the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation? Well, Mario, I my background is in higher education. So uh, in higher ed over 20 years, uh, 17 years at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I, I started there as a professor of English, director of writing, was chair of uh, English and Foreign Languages, dean of Arts and Sciences. And then for the last uh, seven years, I was vice president of institutional advancement. So mm-hmm. development, alumni, career outreach, marketing for some time. And, you know, as I worked in that field, um, I did some work with Our Sunday Visitor and got to know the folks at the Institute, the folks at Our Sunday Visitor as a whole, and, and really was attracted to the culture of OSV. I mean, it was a, it, it is very much a learning culture. It's very much an innovation culture. We don't have a copyright on the word. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's an innovative culture. It's a culture that is all about continuous improvement. And, you know, that really attracted me. And, and so literally today is my one year anniversary of starting at OSV. Oh, right, and man. so, you know, I moved over a year ago and, and it was a big leap. I mean, we joked a little bit before um, you know, I was a fully tenured professor at the University of St. Francis, and um, you know they were—it was a—they were very kind. They granted me emeritus status, as I told you, <laughs> made me feel really old. But uh, you know, nobody can see my my face, but I don't feel that old. So, but uh, um, but no, and it was an extremely rewarding career uh, in higher ed. But it was a little leap of faith um, to come in into the institute, you know, and in and, and in some ways working with our president Jason Shanks. 
Um, he had a vision for doing new things, but that vision wasn't totally for, uh, complete. Mm-hmm. And so it really was sort of like I was attracted to the culture of OSB. I was attracted to the great work they've done uh, for over 100 years. And we can talk a little bit about the history. But um, and, and, and that's what made the move. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I would I, it's been a good move for me. And and, you know, as we moved into innovation and entrepreneurship, I felt a little bit of kinship with that. Just because you have to take some risk and you have to have to have some grit and, you know, sometimes just forge ahead. Wow. God bless you. Going from tenured faculty position, which is like the ultimate job, you know, because you just you have it and you got it until you do something really dumb to to give that up. I mean, that must have taken some real prayer and discernment and being able to say, okay, Lord, very clearly, this is what you're calling me, especially after 20 years being at an institution or being in, in that career to make a real shift to now work for the Institute, uh, I imagine must have really been a, a process of discernment for you. Mario, that's, I mean, that's very um, uh, insightful of you because it, it did take a lot of discernment, a lot of discussion with my wife. And, you know, I, I at least for me, you build sort of narratives of your life, right? You say, okay, you know, I, I received my doctorate. I got a, a tenure track job. I was able to get, you know, you sort of have this progression. And, and then all of a sudden to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap. Um, into something new, and, and quite frankly, um, OSV and OSV Institute, totally different industries than higher ed. Mm-hmm. I mean, still the Catholic charism, which was really important to me, sure. to be able to integrate my faith with my professional life, uh, was one of the moves. I was actually in public education, public higher ed, and was had the wonderful opportunity to move to St. Francis, which was very important to me, um, to, like I said, have that opportunity to integrate uh, faith with my work. And so, um, there was that that was uh, a familiar uh, part to me, but I mean, I, I laugh all the time with my colleagues at OSV that uh, it was strange going to a place where, you know, after 17 years at an institution, you know, I knew everybody there. Uh, if I locked myself out of the office, I knew who to call and, you know, <laughs> I, I knew what the, the, the official channels were and the unofficial channels and to all of a sudden be in a new place where you're like, oh, how do you do this? I don't even know how to, you know, I don't even know how to get my password to my computer anymore. But, <laughs> but you know, all kidding aside, I mean, it, it, it goes well with the theme of our interview of talking about the challenge, you know, and really um, what I'd really like to, you know, share with your, your listeners is, Please. you know, that whole idea about innovation is really being willing to take some risk. Now, it's calculated risk and it's risk of prayer, discernment, thought, analysis, but it's, it's being willing to take risk. I think is at the core of innovation. I, I agree. And I mean, I'll say, for, uh, you know, for me, one, I'm just encouraged. I just have to say that right out of the gates. You know, as you talk about, like, you think you have this plan for your life. And I'm sure your 20-something-year-old your, your graduate self didn't, would never have imagined that you would have been in charge of strategic partnership for, for a Catholic nonprofit. You know, it's like, I'm an English major. I'm learning how to write. I'm going to learn how to teach English students. This is the plan. This is, this is the trajectory of my life. And so then you kind of get into something, you start getting into advancement there and, and, and fundraising for the college. And it's like, okay, that was must have been a risk letting go of being in the classroom. And then you stay there and then it's like, all right, Lord, well, what's the next step? And, and kind of just honestly, I thank you for sharing all of that. We even just starting the conversation this way, just being able to say like, no matter how old we are or how far into something we are, we must always be open to discerning, is God calling me to stay in the position that I'm in, or is God calling me to, to move towards something else? Um, because I think that that 
that's always a tension, is it not? You know, it's like, okay, do I hold on to what I what I know and what's comfortable? And that's not bad. There's nothing inherent. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what the Lord is asking you to, is to stay in an organization, or is the Lord calling me to make a shift? And and making that transition or knowing which one is which just requires some some risk taking, but but some discernment, like you said. Well, and, and you know, again, to sort of add and play on that theme a little bit too, and and. You know, I have a daughter that's in high school and she's starting to think about college and career. And, you know, and, and one of the things it's interesting for me when I, you know, you talk about being an English t- uh, major and teacher and, you know, all those kind of things. So my goal when I went away to undergrad was to be a college high, or a high school teacher and coach tennis. Oh, and so cool. I talked to her. I talked to her about that. And I say, you know, at 18, 17, 16, 21. I had these ideas of what I want to be, and you do want people to set goals. And I, you know, I always say that you want to set goals and those kind of things. But it's exactly what you said. It's that it's that careful discernment prayer when paths take you in other ways, and to be open to that. And it's hard sometimes because, you know, I joked about the being able to know who to call, but you get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And 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 I will be honest, that was one of the things um, in my discernment process was. I felt comfortable and I thought, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to be comfortable in my life yet. Um, and I, I mean, I really have mm. to say that is, and I'm not saying that in any sort of, I'm saying that with humility, yeah, amen. but I am feeling pretty comfortable in what I'm doing and I'm not sure that is where I am optimally performing. Wow. Um, wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, I hope that my young adult listeners are encouraged by this because so often we put so much pressure on ourselves to think that we have to have it all figured out and I need to know what the next 20 years are going to look like. And because I've chosen this major, you know, I got to do this. Or now that I'm 30, I can't make yeah. a shift or no, no, no. Like just always be open to, to what the Lord is calling you to do. So let's let's bring this back down then to OSV a little bit. Um, something that I just recently understood, and, and please give us some more insights to this. What is the relationship between OSV, the publisher, and OSV, the institute? I, I didn't realize that that even there were distinctions there until just recently. So what, what, what could you say about that and, and help us understand how does one serve the other? So OSV, um, I think a lot of your listeners will maybe be familiar um, either through curriculum, either through the church envelopes, either through the trade books, maybe even some of the back-end services. OSV was founded by, at the time, Father Knoll in 1912 in Northeast Indiana, Huntington, Indiana. He bought a printer or a, a, a printing machine for $1, uh, <laughs> and he started printing the OSV newspaper, which became... Uh, yeah, I think it had at its height had something like half a million subscriptions, those kind of things. We still publish it. People still get a newspaper, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it moved into other things. Um, and he started that to um, share the good news of the church. Uh, at the time in Northeast Indiana, like many other places, there were many um, sort of what I would call falsehoods about the Catholic Church being spread. And so he wanted to make sure that, that everyone, whether they were Catholic, non-Catholic, really understood the Catholic faith and the truth and beauty of it. And I don't think he, at the beginning, understood that it would have this huge impact, that it would have this subscription. So in 1915, he um, began any of the profits from OSV, he turned back to the church by giving out grants, um, you know, in sort of the traditional way, helping different projects, those kind of things. Um, primarily, in, in, in fact, almost exclusively in North America, because that's mm-hmm. where the funds, you always felt whatever funds came in should go back out. So 
the institute was formalized within OSB, uh, for those of your listeners that are governance junkies and things like that, but was formalized within OSB in the 70s as an institute. We're not a traditional foundation in that we don't have an endowment that we have to spend a certain amount of those kind of things. We literally, um, we work off the margin that OSB produces. So while we are in some ways a separate entity within OSB, we are part of OSB because that's what funds us. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a distinction because there's two different names, but the distinction is really from the, the, the purpose. Both of our overall arching missions are to serve the church, but we serve it in different ways. So OSB, you know, generates revenue through the newspaper, through media, uh, through church envelopes, through back-end services that they provide parishes and dioceses. And then the Institute serves the church um, as a grant-making entity. That's amazing. So the, the okay, so the way I'm thinking about what you're saying right now is, is you know, maybe because the NFL season just ended, so the salary cap. So, so basically, like the salary cap changes every year depending on wh- what the, 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 the profits are from the year before. So right. obviously there's a lot of conversation about, like, is the salary cap going to be big or small? For, it's going to be a lot smaller in 2021 for teams to spend. So is that the way that OSV Institute kind of works? Is like depending on what the previous year's profit margin is or is it kind of set? Um, it, it, you know, what has been – Excuse the sports analogy. I'm sorry. I hope yeah, it's very, no, and I'm fine with that. I never really thought about it as a salary cap. Um, but I, I appreciate that, and I'm going to play with that a little bit. You know, OSB has been very blessed and fortunate that it's, it's, it is it's a nonprofit. As an entity, it is a nonprofit. Um, but it's been very fortunate that it's been, it's been very fiscally prudent, so it's been well run. And so we can budget – what we give out every year. And, you know, while 2020 was a interesting year in sure, itself, sure. and we actually um, did um, draw back a little bit in our grants, we, we have gone forward with 2021. Over the last three or four years, we give out a little bit between three and four million dollars each year. Um, and we've been able to budget. Again, part of that is because OSB is a company, it is a very well-run, phys- fiscally prudent company. And so we can, you know, we can kind of project what that is so it isn't like in you know june we're like okay we got a bunch of money to give out or we don't i mean we can kind of project um but i like the salary cap analogy i'll take that back to our ceo and <laughs> that sounds uh, good you know in big years maybe everybody can get a you know a big <laughs> rate. i don't know i'm, I'm exactly. kidding i've only worked there a year so i don't want to offend anybody at osb but uh, i'm kidding i'm joking but, uh, but no I, I think that's a great analogy so but, you know, we can usually plan and budget within certain parameters. Yeah, that's wonderful. So um, it's great to know, I mean, that like, you know, you're purchasing these things because, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really sensitive to like the Catholic marketplace. I have to be honest with you. Like it's it's something that I struggle with um, because I know that we need, of course, Catholic publishers and uh, Catholic organizations to and, and to have a specific branding that aligns with that. But sometimes I'm like, you know, where's all this money going? And, and like, is this money actually, if it's just serving the pockets of the people at the top, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know enough about how publishing kind of works. I'm saying this as a complete ignorant individual to, to the whole process, but something about it's like, you know, there's a lot of money that's being made by these books and by these DVDs and CDs and, and media and all this stuff. It, it, is that money being used charitably? Um, and I, and I, again, I don't know, but always it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like, well, it, when it's done in the name of the church 
and all this money is being generated. And if it's not used be, being used charitably, I'm like, well, then is a Catholic publisher then any different than any other than a secular publisher? And and that that's just my misgivings. So I, again, no judgment on anybody or any situation. I don't know. I'm just speaking as somebody who 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 gets uncomfortable sometimes when we have this Catholic marketplace and it's like, let's make a lot of money in the name of the church. But what are we doing with that money? You know, is it just for me? And if it's just well, for me, then then that becomes a, a tension, you know. So that's why I really appreciate what you guys have done. It was very important to Archbishop Noel that it did go back into the church and it went out to help people, help different organizations. And so, you know, that I think that's a insightful comment, Mario. But I, like I said, it, it, we are very sensitive at OSV and even in the year that I've worked there to the charism of, of Archbishop Noel. Like we want to make sure that we're living out his legacy. You know, in the development world, you would call that donor intent. Mm-hmm. In some of the religious orders, the school I worked at, at the University of St. Francis, Franciscan, we spent a lot of time discerning, contemplating, reading, thinking about our Franciscan charism. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, at OSB, we spend a lot of time thinking about Archbishop Knoll and, and that sort of intent to, that we were founded. And that really, I mean, kind of leads into the innovation challenge, and the and the rebrand was was innovation. So, um, about three years ago, the institute um, hired Jason Shanks as its president, um, and he came in, and, and we had been a very traditional granting agency. You know, requests would come in, and we they would go out, and 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 Jason wanted to spend some time thinking about what were the great challenges of the church right now. So. The Institute froze grants for a year, and Jason really just did a year of fact-finding, talking to many apostolates, traveling a lot, going to conferences, uh, talking with Catholic leaders, uh, you know, both uh, church leaders, lay leaders, uh, you know, and all those kind of things. And so for the last three years, our grant, um, our grant initiatives have been around Hispanics, the Hispanic Initiative, millennials, um, bringing millennials back or to the church. Um, and then uh, the domestic church, mm-hmm. working with parents and families. Those were the things through um, through discernment and through data that Jason saw as, as the biggest challenge. And so in 2020, while we were doing the regular grant um, cycle, we also started the first uh, innovation challenge. Right. So 2020, we, we did our first. Now, if you don't mind, I'll kind of go into that a little bit, but then bring it back to, to Bishop Nolan, sort of back to the history of who we are. Why don't you finish that first and kind of the connection, and then we'll get into the grant itself, the challenge itself. So just finish. So, so one of the things that really spurred um, Jason to think about running this first innovation challenge for, for the Institute to run this innovation challenge as part of our just our regular operations was what he saw was the history of the church was around innovation. You think about hospitals, you think about a lot of science, a lot of industry, you think a lot Catholic schools, um, all these kind of things. The Catholics have always been in the forefront, universities, these kind of things. And, and Jason is fond of saying he thought it was time that the Catholic Church went back on the offensive and not the defensive. And, you know, one of that is to spur innovation. There are, there are lots and lots of people out in the Catholic sphere that have these great ideas, but don't always know how to maybe operate within the terrain of the church, maybe need some startup capital, or maybe just need mentorship. And so what Jason said is, let's try to start to build this innovation tribe. Let's try to get these innovators together and get them capital. And as we thought about it at the Institute, 
we really saw it as going back to Bishop Noel was Archbishop Noel was that he began this printing, you know, he started printing a newspaper when newspapers were were a new thing or were, you know, part of that. And he was always trying to find ways um, to incorporate media. And so, you know, I'll give you a, a little um, maybe apocryphal story, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to say the Italians have a saying that, you know, if it's not true, it should be true. So <laughs> will, uh, I'll give the caveat of that before you get any angry Well, you know, as they as as say in English, don't let the truth get in the way of good stories. So go right ahead. <laughs> But there, there is uh, there is the story or legend within OSB that um, Archbishop Noel got a call from a radio network, a radio television network that said, "Hey, we've heard about you. You're doing this paper. You write prolifically. Will you come and do a show with us?" And he said, "You know, I'm not really the guy that you want. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a great public speaker. I'm not. I, you know, I like to do the things that I'm doing." But there's this guy named Bishop Sheen, Fulton Sheen, that you should take a look at. Wow. Um, and, you know, we know how that goes. So, again, don't know if that's every part of it's true, but we're going to go with that story. <laughs> but but yeah, I tell you that story in the sense of that is who Bishop Noel was, or Bishop Noel was, was always thinking about how can we best get the gospel message out to people? How can we serve the church? How can we innovate around that? And so when we started the Innovation Challenge, we thought that is really honoring our legacy as being founded by Archbishop Noel. That's beautiful. So, I mean, certainly it's just saying, like, people do have a lot of great ideas, but people do feel sometimes that those ideas just don't go anywhere because they don't have the resources, whether those resources are monetarily or, or as you talked about, mentorship, just even kind of networking and knowing kind of who to connect with and, and who to how to get this thing kind of off the ground and, and how to get help. And and quite honestly, like I'll, I'll speak for myself as I started this show, you know, I'm grateful that I work for a nonprofit, Willwood's community that that funds my salary. And so there's really, you know, I'm able to provide this free for, for anybody and uh, to listen. But even just kind of getting guests and kind of getting the word out and getting off the ground, it's been such a challenge, you know, and sometimes you like reach out to people and you're like, hey, can can we chat or, you know, and, and no is an easy word to receive for, for somebody who has a fresh idea. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, in, have you ever watched Ratatouille, the Disney Pixar movie? Oh, yes, yes, you yes, know, I so, am. Yeah. So to the, the, the very end of the movie, you know, where, where uh, the critic, you know, he says that the hardest thing for a critic to do is to embrace the new, basically. Like that's the most risky thing that a critic can do because when it's new, it's unproven and it can always fall apart. And, and so... And so you're saying, again, just that this, this embracing of innovation, this embracing of ideas. So from the transition from the old way of distributing your funds, which was just kind of rolling, receiving grants, kind of receiving ideas, having committees, having a process of being able to discern how much and, and if we can afford this and if this is not afford, if we can fund this and if this is something that we want to fund in the name of the, of the Institute, to then shifting now to, to, to this. You said Jason took a lot of time. To, to really assess where the money was going, who they connected with, what was the ideas, what was, and then came up with this idea of, of the challenge kind of in response to this and to say, not only are we going to continue to give money in this traditional way, but we're going to create this kind of event, this, this big um, initiative. Um, it, it seems almost like a Catholic Shark Tank type of thing is, is the way I'm kind of thinking about it. And, uh, and so explain the challenge then specifically, like what is it? What's the process? What's the goal? And, uh, and just just go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the challenge itself. 
Yeah, we we um, hope that we're a little bit more uh, um, uh, less sharky than the shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that has come up. That has come up in our. What, what can we call it instead? What's more charitable for instead of a Shark Tank? Because <laughs> you're right, Shark Tank is like a feeding frenzy. <laughs> but that doesn't make it any better. So, uh, you know, just we'll say it is, it is a contest. It's, it's a, a challenge. Contest. It's a challenge. And there is part of that that, you know, I'll get into some of the pragmatics of the challenge itself and talk about that. But we talk a lot about the ideas, and the ideas and content are important. But the person or the people that are presenting the idea are also important. I mean, we're really looking for people, as you said, um, we want them to have grit and perseverance and be able to, to, you know, hey, my idea was this, but I got to tweak it here or I got to change it here or I've got to, I've got to do this or I didn't, you know, it's being able to, to fail and start again, fail and start again, fail. And, and again, there's story after story of folks. Uh, of the great inventors and entrepreneurs and, and innovators, how many failures they had before they succeeded. So when we thought, when we started the challenge, when Jason started the challenge, um, it, it really was, we're going to do this in addition to the regular grant making. And as I came on board, um, you know, one of the things with the higher ed background is I had worked a lot with assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so assessment of courses, assessment of rural college activities, those kind of things. And so we spent some time doing some assessment of our traditional grants and uh, the effect that our um, challenges were having sort of around um, sustainability, um, impact on the church. Um, And we had funded some great projects and some really good organizations. But what we were seeing with the way that we had um, looked at the assessment was those innovative ideas we're having the potential to be more sustainable in terms of impact for the church. And so as we spent some time in the fall of 2020. As opposed to what? What, what do you mean by that? Well, um, so there were, there were some, let's say some apostolates, again, that are doing great work, but they're doing the exact same thing that they've been doing for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you talked about that when we were just talking about my journey. There's nothing wrong with doing something that works well and to be comfortable in that. But we also were seeing, OSV was seeing, and so was is the Catholic world, we are losing church members um, at an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. So young folk, old folk, you know, I think I read something from the, um, from the center at Georgetown that does a lot of uh, just demographic work for Catholics in the United States, that there are around 29 million adults that identify as former Catholic. Wow. That's like 10% of the country. That's amazing. So you think about that. Yeah, Yeah, you think about that. And that's just huge. And so, you know, one of the things that we were thinking about was in terms of that assessment was we need some new things in the church. And now that's not outside the magisterium. It's not outside the truth and beauty of the church. But it's we've got to figure out, you know, how what's going to be the university of the 24th? second century, the 23rd century, what's going to be the hospital, what's going to be that idea. And again, like many sort of um, venture capital or, or like you said, Shark Tank, you may fund 30 ideas and one might work, two might work. Now, we, are, we hope all 12 of our last finalists work well. But, you know, what we're trying to do is, is seed and find those ideas that are going to impact the church in a positive way. And so what we decided was in 2021, January 2021, 
we rebranded the institute, OSV Institute, as the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. And as part of that, what we did was we were funding the Challenge 2021 in a much more robust way. Wow. And what I mean by that is last year with the 2020 Challenge, there were three $100,000 prizes. So the 12, fi- the 12 finalists who got to the end went through an accelerator. It was a really good experience. They built a lot of community there. But in the end, three people received or three organizations received $100,000 prizes. This year, as we're going into it, there will be 25 semifinalists. They will receive some seed money, mm-hmm. so a smaller grant. The finalists, the 12 finalists, will also receive some seed money. And then there will be the three $100,000 prizes. And again, part of that, Mario, was we got feedback from um, a number of our finalists, a number of our 12 finalists, like that said, hey, if we could have had $5,000 at a, at a certain point in this whole thing, we could have scaled up quicker or mm-hmm. we could have accelerated a little bit quicker. Um, and so we thought, you know, that that's great feedback for us. But part of that then is everyone has limited resources. So we had to think about what does that look like as we think about our um, grant making. And we really, like I said, we really believe that the innovation challenge and in cultivating this tribe of innovators in the Catholic church will have a profound impact. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying this podcast. Thanks for getting halfway through it. If you have enjoyed this podcast and are looking for other great episodes, the whole catalog of Always Hope is available for you at faithandmarriage.org, as well as past blogs and other activities that we have, a full list of our marriage retreats for 2021 are available there on faithandmarriage.org. So you have a one-stop shop where you can listen to all episodes of Always Hope, read some wonderful blogs and, and see what Jason Angelette is up to these days, as well as reading or finding out about our marriage retreats. So please check us out at faithandmarriage.org. That's awesome. So then the challenger, like you're just saying, the finalists now, everybody gets into this accelerator program. And I read on the website that it's like it, it offers like some degree of mentorship from 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 the institute to these individuals in terms of, from my understanding, and please tell me if I'm wrong, you know, kind of like marketing strategies or business plans, and and so it's not just like here's here's the money, you know, go on your way. It's like no, no, here's the money, and here's a good way that you can use this. To, to fund your idea and what you need to kind of be aware of in terms of being able to grow this thing. And that just seems, if I'm understanding that correctly, I mean, it just seems like that's a smart way both for you to make sure that the money that you're using does actually, you know, invest and in, in build the, the the crops that you're hoping for for it to do. But then for the for the idea person themselves, you know, like, like I said, I, I can only think of this from my own perspective, you know, like as a as a podcaster, you know, like it's it's not I mean, I came at this as like a therapist, you know, I wasn't a media guy, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't somebody already in the know in the industry of like what to do and all this stuff or whatever. I mean, I've had to learn that along the way, but I can approach this as, as just a Catholic therapist. I mean, I've had my own business, I've had my own small, my, my own private practice and I, and I had some background to kind of get started with it. But, but nevertheless, I mean, I just spent hours on YouTube and, and buying courses online and shout out to Pat Flynn, who, who really helped me out with the smart passive income folks. But just all this other stuff, you know, just 
like you have to be able to kind of do all that. So it seems that like with this challenge, what you guys are really wanting to do is not just to offer the money, but to be able to really support the people and the projects that you believe in. Right. No, that's and, and kudos to you, because it is about risk taking. I mean, as you said, you know, you're a therapist and, you know, kind of got intrigued by the podcasting, as we talked about mm-hmm. before the show mm-hmm. and, and kind of went with it. So kudos to you. And, and again, so many innovators and entrepreneurs are self-taught. I mean, um, but you're right. So this year, last year was the 12 finalists went through the accelerator. This year, we're going to do it with the 25 semifinalists. Great. So we're expanding that a little bit. Um, and part of it is, it is, you know, in some ways, um, it's marketing, it's development, it's, you know, governments and legal issues. You know, sometimes people have great ideas, but they don't know, should I be a for-profit? Should I, should I be a not-for-profit? What are the advantages to both, either? What, how does that work? What do I have to do? So let me actually stop you right there. It's a great question because I've had some people ask me, because I've been I've been promoting the, the challenge because it's live, it's up. And I've had some people who are in for-profit entities asking if they could apply. Can they apply? Yes, most definitely. Okay. Um, of the 12 uh, finalists we had last year, it was about a 50-50 split. 50 for-profit companies, 50 uh, not-for-profit companies. Awesome. And, you know, and so part of that accelerator is that. We mm-hmm. also bring in guest speakers, uh, people who have been entrepreneurs, innovators, um, and can kind of say, well, here's where I failed. Here's where I succeeded. Here are the things I wish I knew. Um, you know, those kind of things. We do have mentors, um, you know, to, to try to help folk. And, and what we try to do is pair people in sort of their industries. And, and part of that will be we'll have to wait and see, you know, what kind of applications and who moves on. But, you know, last year we had technology. Uh, we had um, film. Uh, we had uh, what I would call, um, you know, sort of uh, pastoral uh, programs. So, you know, we tried to find mentors that could work among those different uh, groups and give them some feedback. We also do a spiritual accompaniment um, so that, you know, our, our innovators and our challengers don't don't sort of lose sight that that, you know, having that prayer life, having that solid relationship with with the church and with Christ and with God is core to being successful in some of these things. And 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 so, you know, we look at different saints that have been sort of entrepreneurial and things like this. We talk, we have entrepreneurs coming in and talk about the role of prayer life for them um, as they built their businesses and, you know, how they dealt with failure and was able to come to God with those and things like that. So we really do try to develop those, um, the innovators. We try to give them more than just a a check. We try to give them some direction. Um, And then the other thing that we're trying to do and and, um, we hope to do is building this innovation tribe, but we're also... Um, starting to work with other foundations and other philanthropists to build an investor tribe. Mm-hmm. We'd love to be able to amplify OSB Institute for Catholic Innovation funds, you know, with other foundations, with other individual philanthropists who are looking for a place where they can um, sort of have a, a trust in the process of what is getting these organizations to a certain point. And, you know, different organizations have different uh, focus or missions. And so, you know, if we can bring forth innovation in K through 12 schools, maybe there's a foundation that maybe they're not the winner, but this foundation is able to see their idea and say, we'll help them, we'll fund them. Um, You know, equity investment from different types of of entrepreneurs might help some of our for-profit companies. We've seen that with our 2020 challenge. So 
alongside this innovation tribe, building this investor tribe also. Yeah, it's awesome. Just helping people. <laughs> like that's just it's just what you sound like you want to do is just genuinely help, help people and help, help organizations and helping the church. Yeah. yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah. You know, helping the church at the end of the day and, and just kind of doing the right thing. Um, okay, so I'm thinking about like right now people who are listening to it, again, you know, have a largely young adult audience and, and I'm sure people probably chomping at the bit ready to submit applications. Um, and so we'll talk about the process of that for a little bit. But just the idea of innovation as kind of like or creativity as as a form of one's faith or an expression of one's faith, of living in that, of kind of wanting to be in that space. Um, I, I find that very, very exciting. Um, just why innovation? I mean, like, why, why did you guys choose that phrase? What, what does that mean for the broader implications of the church? I mean, you kind of said it a little bit in terms of you feel that innovation is the way forward. It, it aligns with the tradition of the church in the sense that, like, the church has always been trying to respond to the needs of the culture, which requires innovative individuals. And it seems like what you're saying is you you want to support that. Not so much, maybe not so much you've seen a lack of it, but you want to be a place where you can support future innovation. Why is that good for for people to to try to be innovative and to try to embrace that creative spirit? Well, and I think you know, I think part of it, Mario, is you know, as we talked about honoring the legacy of Bishop Noel, Archbishop Noel, um, and and but moving ahead with new things, it's you you meld that legacy and history of which the church is deep in, but with always looking forward, what are the ways? What are the ways that we can bring the gospel? the message of Christ to people. And, you know, through our, you know, as St. Francis of Assisi would always say, you know, um, live out the gospel and if necessary, use words. Right. Um, you know, or share the gospel and if necessary, use words. Um, you know, so is it in the way that we're able to um, um, help organizations um, with the poor, with social issues, is it technology? And so, you know, why is it important to have innovation? It's because... You always have to constantly, as you said, respond to the needs of the people looking ahead. What is the best way to share the message of, of Christ? You know, is it so that we can, there was, uh, last year there was a finalist that um, had a technology that um, would automate many of the things that a pastor, especially a pastor that might be, it might be a pastor and a secretary in a small parish, um, to leave that pastor more time to be pastoral instead of record keeping or things like that, you know, most people would say, well, how is that helping the church? Well, it's helping the church because it's allowing that priest to be more pastoral. And I, I think I've, I've lost the, the, the thread of your question. But so, no, no, but I, what I love about the, 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 what you're saying right now, and even just the way you articulated that, is that, that like so often we think that creativity is just artistic or that we I'm only a creative if I can play a song or I'm only creative if I can do artwork or I'm only creative if I can, you know, paint or whatever it is. But like even an idea like that is a creative solution to a problem. And and that's not artistic in the sense, but it is creative and that like here's a problem. We want to create software to be able to help pastors be freer in their capacity to do pastoral work. So it can help with their bookkeeping, keep things a little bit more organized, so they can be freer to do the work that that God's calling them to do. That that's what I'm speaking about. You know, that so often I think we we dismiss these ideas that we have, where we degrade ourselves, or we think that like it's not good enough, or it's not going to make an impact, and like we put all these roadblocks along the way before we even kind of get started. So my encouragement to anybody who's listening who has an idea 
is that the challenge isn't isn't just the idea, but the, the, the challenge is really the following through with that idea. And so being able to then say, okay, you have this great idea of whatever it is. Well, how do you dedicate time and resources to, to really following through it and, and seeing that to its fruition? And then even if you are seeing it and, and, and recognizing that even if the idea itself doesn't come to the conclusion or the fruition that you expected it to, at least you know you're moving forward with something and and it will open up other opportunities i think it's almost like like when we talk about like there's a lot of science related to like positive psychology and and it's like opportunity begets opportunity like you put yourself in a place of of being seen like you will be seen like you you seek things out god will open the doors that need to be open and will close the doors that need to be closed and so just encouraging that um from anybody who, who who's listening what do you think well, that's a very articulate response, and as you were talking, I was also thinking that so many people think creativity and ideas are sort of these epiphanic moments where, you know, <laughs> Athena springs from strikes. Like, ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, that's what yeah. people mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. and what many people, I think, and as they go through the challenge, the challengers realize this is, it really is about iteration, reiteration, iteration, reiteration. It's about... Um, I go down this road, maybe there's a roadblock there, I start another road, I start another road. And so creativity is, is I, I love how you put it, God will open doors if you put yourself out there and sort of are looking for open doors. So the more you push yourself on your idea or your, um, your thought, instead of just saying, well, this is a great thought, and then you say, well, it's not a fully formed thought, it's not Athena springing from the, from the head of Zeus, you, you shut it down. No, you keep going. And, you know, I was thinking about your field, therapy. No one person or no one couple is one solution. I mean, you read different sort of things, but everybody is unique in that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm so encouraged by this. And what I really love about it is that I just think that the church gets slammed for not being innovative enough. And and particularly in the media, we think about this, that the church isn't, isn't innovative, isn't thinking through solutions. And so I guess just if I may ask, you know, the projects that you guys are funding, is it more lay apostolates or are dioceses able to get in on this as well or or parishes if they have some ideas? I mean, because we also want to see, you know, over the history of the church, there's always been a balance between the institution and in movements. And and it's like both lungs, you know, the the, the Petrine and the Pauline dimensions of the church or the Petrine and, and or the Christological and Numenological, whatever analogies we want to use, or whatever, whatever description. But there's always been a balance between the institution of the church and then movements, um, uh, religious movements, lay movements that that have that have kind of brought life back into the church. And so the two always kind of play with one another. And it's it's almost kind of like this is probably bad, but the conservative liberal, you know, you need both. You need the times you need to hold on to your tradition and sometimes you need to be moving forward. And so the church has always kind of responded with both. And sometimes it seems like, at least in the, today in age, the church has been, you know, can, can killed because it, it just seems like the institution doesn't want to make any movement. Again, movement, not theologically. I'm not saying that the theology of the church is what it is, but, but are there other ways that we can rethink that are in accordance with the theology and the ecclesiology of the church of being able to say we can still be innovative with new ideas. So are 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 you finding then in, in, in some of the grants, maybe not this year but last year, is it is it both kind of movements and the institution itself or 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 more movements or more lay people ideas? Like 
or what do you even think about just kind of both of these concepts as I'm, as I'm throwing it no, out there? I, I appreciate that question, Mario. And, and last year, um, um, almost all of the ideas were from lay individuals. We did have one uh, parish priest uh, with a partner that came in with an idea um, actually, the software I was talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Fundus, I actually want to go be a priest. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's one of the things as we as we thought about sort of revisioning the Institute and thinking about um, really focused on innovation. And one of the things that I appreciate about being able to talk this with you is we really want to encourage parishes and dioceses and orders to think about the things that, you know, do they have an idea that they've always wanted to try in a diocesan office or a parish office, or they have a program that they'd like to see, can it scale up? Can they scale it to a national program? So we really want to encourage that. Um, there's no parameters around, you know, should it should we have the X number of, of you know, institutional uh, diocesan parish or, or lay you know, really looking for the best ideas, but we really want to encourage those parishes, dioceses, uh, and orders who are thinking about, um, you know, who are thinking we have some things that work, we know they work, um, please bring them forward, um, come forward. Um, we're very open to funding those individuals, those organizations. Fantastic. Great. So uh, if people are interested, you know, how can they sign up? Well, the first place they should go is osvchallenge.com. It's very, I mean, osvchallenge, one word, dot com. And in there, we tried to lay out there's the application for round one, um, and you have till March 2nd, I believe, is the date. So there's a good amount of time uh, to do that. It's a rolling application, so we'll move people on to round two, which will begin in April, and then semifinalists, and, and we'll end with a demo day in a spot to be determined. So we're still uh, working on that. Hopefully, we'll be able to have a physical demo day this year. We had to have a virtual one, obviously, last year. But we're very hopeful that in September, we'll be able to have something with people. But we're not, we'll keep our fingers crossed and pray and, and all those kind of things. But go to osvchallenge.com. And we have FAQ there uh, to talk about eligibility, all those kind of things. Um, you know, also a timeline. So if people are thinking, well, I have my day job. How much time is this going to take? We talk about that, talk about what the accelerator, the accelerator is a virtual accelerator. Mm. Uh, we try to have it at convenient time uh, for people to do things. and There'll be recorded parts of it and things like that. We're very sensitive that we realize, um, I think all of our applicants last year had other jobs rather than their ideas. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so we were, we were trying to be sensitive to that. Um, but osvchallenge.com. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. Now, I know we've talked a lot about the challenge and, and how to get to it. Now, there's another new initiative you guys have started. And so just with the last few minutes we have of this interview, I, I really want to give this a little bit of time also. What about the OSV Talks? What, tell me about those. Yeah, and that really is the, the other initiative around um, uh, innovation that we started. And we started again last year. And that's where we are bringing in uh, Catholic leaders uh, to do what are essentially TED Talks um, and, uh, you know, so we, we filmed our first, I believe our first 12 are out there at osvtalks.com, uh, that you can go see. And, and they're on a variety of topics. Um, our president, Jason Shanks, leads off with a discussion of innovation, which I think is, is if, if you're in a, interested in the innovation challenge, that's a great talk to watch because it, it, it talks about, I think, what is the core of why we're doing this and where, 
and where it's kind of going. But there's talks from everywhere as uh, Bruce Lee as a as evangelizer and and uh, um, you know talks on sacred music. There's talks on religious freedom, um, but. It really is. We're bringing in Catholic leaders to do these talks. We're going to film our next round in April. Uh, really look forward to these. Uh, we, we put a new one out every month. Um, and we're just very fortunate that to, to try again, bringing this innovation tribe together, bringing thought leaders together to talk about the ways that the church is being innovated. That's fantastic. Well, well, wonderful. So that would be osvtalks.com. Is that right? Yes, correct. Fantastic. Well, these are all great resources, you know, and I think people really, um, this show obviously is called Always Hope. And, and as I've said repeatedly throughout the show, that, that hope is defined, and this is what the science, the research shows, hope is defined n- not just in believing that tomorrow will be better than today, but, but believing, but knowing at least a pathway to be able to actualize that. And so there's a, there's a both end of like a desire for something better but then being able to have these pathways, these, this agency, this, this capacity of being able to make it possible. And, and again, it, it requires both. And so encouraging anybody who's listening right now, you know, that if you do have an idea, you do have a tug, like follow through with it and see, see where it goes. There's a, you know, there's a great story of, 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 of J.K. Rowland when she, somebody asked her, like, when did she feel like she made it? Like, how did she know? And she said she was like at some event for like one of her, the books, it was maybe the fourth book that came out and, I think the first movie had come out at the same time or something. And she was at this event and she saw this like marquee of like Voldemort, like this big, like it was a big blow, blow a balloon of like Voldemort. And she like remember staring at it and being like, that was an idea that was in my head like 10 years ago. And like, here it is like this big blow up thing. And people are, you know, getting excited about it. And I'm about to read this other book. She's like, this is all crazy, you know, but all this started as like, you know, for her, they were literally, you know, napkins. She was a sing- single mom and she would ride the train from her waitress job to home. And she was taking notes, you know, on the train, on napkins and just piecing these ideas together. And then we know the story. If you don't, she was turned down by something like eight or 13 publishers before she landed on Scholastic. And I bet you every single one of those, you know, <laughs> publishers are kicking themselves because Scholastic, I'm sure, has made bazillion dollars. She's now richer than the Queen of England, you know, the whole bit or whatever. So obviously it's not that dramatic for everybody. But but nevertheless, um, again, from a place of faith, um, we believe that God does um, call us to be faithful. And again, going back to then Abraham, who Abraham received the word from God. And the promise was that his his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the heaven. He didn't see that in his lifetime. He didn't see that reality um, before he died, but that promise is still true. So whatever the innovation is, whatever the idea is, you know, stick through, stick, stick, stick with it. And if and if uh, our Sunday visitor is able to help, certainly it's a gift there. So, well, Matt, as we, we come to a close, the final question I ask all my first time guests, what gives you hope? You know, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that give me hope. And so, as I said, I started this job uh, a year ago. And um, one of the things that has just been a great gift to me is all the apostolates that I've been able to talk to and the great work that are people, not only the challengers, but, you know, many of the other organizations that we support in different ways. And there is so much great work being done on behalf of the church for the good of the world, not just for the good of the church, but for the good of the world. And I think sometimes it is easy to get lost in cynicism. Um, you know, the church has certainly had its challenges in the last 10 years. Sure has. Um, and, and so 
you know, to know that there are people out there working for uh, justice. There are people out there working to, to, to feed the poor. They're working out there for, um, you know, for life uh, from at, at all stages. And, and, you know, that that has given me hope. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing that gives me hope is um, uh, I have two daughters, two teenage daughters, um, and they're uh, wonderful critical thinkers. And so every time I get uh, safe and comfortable in my line of thinking, they're there to keep me humble. And we have some great discussions and and we have some really great pointed questions from 15 and 13 year old young Catholics uh, about the direction of the church, about about um, all those kind of things. And you know what? That gives me hope because what it means is they care. Yeah. They're asking questions. Um, it, it gives me hope that their schools are preparing them in, in, in correct ways and in, in, in thinking. And so those are really two things that, that give me hope about the church is yeah. that I really do believe that, that the church is a powerful force for God's love in this world. And like I said, is not just helping Catholics. It's helping the world. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the church by design operates when the wind is at her sails and she's, she's going. As soon as the system becomes self-referential and it's only about serving the institution or serving your own needs or whatever it is, it, it falls apart by design. And so it, it's, it, I agree. Like so often we only hear the bad stuff. And for those of us who work in the church, sometimes like we, we get inundated with the bad news or maybe we see more and we get frustrated by it. Um, but it's good to be reminded that, as you said, that there are innovators out there. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good work that's being done. And even with your young people, I have a teenager as well. And and the questions he asks and the way he's thinking about things, it's it's exactly like you're saying. It's, it's, it's good that these hard questions are being asked um, because they force us to, to think differently um, about about how we do things and, and how we can continue to, to move forward as a church. So, Matt, thank you so much for, for being on the show, man. It's, it's been a sincere pleasure. God bless you guys. Mario, thank you so much. Bless the work that you do. And, you know, maybe someday I can come back and talk about sports. Uh, sports. So I would enjoy that a lot. <laughs> that would be great. I'm a Chicago Bears fan and Cubs fan. <laughs> so, you know, we talk about hope. We always have hope. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that sounds great, man. We'll, we'll do that sometime. Okay? God bless. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. So just, again, you know, just be encouraged. Um, if you have some ideas on some old napkins that are lying around in some drawer somewhere that you haven't followed through with, then this might be your episode. Follow through with it. Push. Push pursue see what the lord's doing see what doors open up have some tenacity with that project but you have to discern is it the right time is it the right time for you to follow through with it or is it not i've had many crazy ideas over my life that some of them have just taken years to to unfold or to get to the right place where i could see that it was the right opportunity and then to pursue it so give it all to the lord but don't just give up on on, on it uh just because uh, it, it seems a little too crazy so Check out the OSV challenge and uh, check out the good stuff that they're doing. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode.